Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin were presented by Progressive Insurance. Essentially, what we're asking, fellas, this morning is, look, when you look at it from a long-term or short-term perspective, and I don't know what either of those two terms mean in the National Football League anymore, right? Baker Mayfield drafted first overall in 2018. Sam Darnold drafted number three in 2018. I want you to take a listen. We just heard a lot of voices there, but I just want to put it all in context for you here as we go one at a time. You know Darnold has struggled, makeshift offensive line. He's been pressured almost as much as any quarterback in the league since he entered the league which is why the Jets got that big dude, Makai Becton, to try to protect him. It hasn't really worked at this point, though. He has played well. Joe Douglas, the Jets GM, thinks Sam has played well enough to be the quarterback moving forward. I think Sam is the quarterback of the future, so I'm not going to put that on the next eight games. I think I think our whole everything in the next eight games is going to be on progress. Progress from our young guys, progress from our veteran guys, progress from everybody. You know, we just we just need to do we need to do everything better. We need to do simple better. So um, that that's the focus over the next eight games. Okay, so that's the short term focus. Again, the Jets have the Pats on ESPN's Monday Night Football. And Darnold seems to be struggling, but that is a vote of confidence. And that's a real vote of confidence. We all know what happens when you get the vote of confidence. This is the real vote of confidence. On the other side, Baker Mayfield, first overall pick, has been up and down for sure. Andrew Berry is the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. I wanted to mention he was hired at 32, youngest general manager in modern NFL history. He was with the Browns from 2016 to 18. That's when they went 0-16 and 1-15. So he knows what it's like to be in Cleveland when it's down. Then he went to the Eagles, the organization Douglas was with, and then eventually came back to the Browns. He's one of two black general managers in the NFL. Very interesting. I want to quickly mention, though, this is important. The other one, by the way, Key, is you put up the two fingers, the peace sign. The other one, Chris Greer of the Miami Dolphins. I want to mention, this is an important distinction that a lot of people don't talk about. Andrew Barry was hired after Kevin Stefanski. Generally, in many cases, the GM is hired first. The GM has a say in hiring the coach. This was backwards. They hired Stefanski in early January and then after hired Barry. But Barry's been with the organization, understands it, and listened to this about how he feels about Baker Mayfield. Not nearly as strong as Douglas on Darnold. Honestly, I really don't get too caught up in that type of narrative. You know, all I know is that I think Baker has played well and he's done a nice job during these first eight weeks. He's allowed us to play winning football. We've had winning football from from that position. Um, expect him to keep doing that over the second, second half of the year. Um, and, you know, look, we're going to be in a good place, you know, as a team and organization if that's the case. Two and, quarterbacks, two divergent and, views? He's saying the right thing. I mean, look, he doesn't get caught up in the narrative. He's playing winning football from that position. They've won games. And – he hopes and expects for that to continue rather than say, well, yeah, we're moving forward with Baker Mayfield. He's our future. Yes. And he didn't say that where Joe Douglas said that. So you got one guy saying I'm all dialed in with Sam Darnold, much like you mentioned Beckton, who he's played, who's played well at the big he left really tackle has. from Louisville first round pick. Joe Douglas has done a tremendous job at kind of reshaping the organization, whether it's Jamal Anderson moving or Jamal Anderson, I always Jamal say Adams. that Jamal Adams, Dirty Bird, Dirty Bird. I don't know why I'm playing days, but Jamal Adams moving him for draft picks for the future to be able to get people to put around Sam. I mean, that's just how you have to look at it. Avery Williams moved out for a pick so he can get players with those picks to do some things with. 
getting rid of Le'Veon Bell so they can get that money off of their books. So when you start to look at it, it certainly seems to me he's setting Sam up for a better future where they're unsure on Baker Mayfield. Big part of this is going to be the fifth-year option come due that they have to make a decision on next spring in May. Like, on both of these quarterbacks, what are we going to do? Are we going to – I think that the the Jets will pick up Sam's. I'm not so sure that Cleveland's going to pick up Baker Mayfield's. I don't think either comment is definitive. I think we live in a world where you can say something today and things can quickly change tomorrow. So – I hear what Key is saying about Joe Douglas saying that, yeah, he's our quarterback of the future for now, for now, until something else can happen. Like, look, if there's anything about 2020, expect the unexpected, right? There are different strokes for different folks. Uh, somebody can sit up there and say that, hey, like, nobody's going to come out there and say he's not our guy. He's not, we're not sticking with him. I've heard a lot of people say he's our guy until that guy is not their guy. Speaking of that, Let's, let's, let's go back to listen to what Dave Gettleman said about OBJ just a little while ago. Let's play that sound. <laughs> we didn't sign him to trade him, if that's what you're asking me. So he'll be here. You hear what I said. So what does that mean? What does that mean? That was just said about OBJ. OBJ is a Cleveland Brown. So all I'm saying is I hear what people are saying. He's saying there he's their guy. Okay, they go in 016. Maybe things change around. Maybe Sam gets hurt. I don't know. A lot of things can change very quickly in the NFL. That, that's very true, but it's Dave Gettleman speaking. And we're talking about OBJ. Dave Gettleman didn't want to sign OBJ, and the Giants didn't want to sign OBJ to begin with. They played around with the contract for a while, then they made a decision to give him $95 million in 2018. And then they trade him later on in January 2019. There was already an issue. With OBJ, they never. This is different with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is not perceived as a locker room problem or whatever narrative that they wanted to set that OBJ was when he played for the Giants. Different circumstances, different situation. Of course, we didn't sign him to trading, but all along, everybody in the league knew that Dave Gettleman was shopping OBJ. Period. Everybody knew that. Everybody knew it before they even signed the contract. They were shopping him. Why they signed it to move him, who knows? It wasn't a smart move because you drafted a young quarterback and gave him no weapons to develop him, so that was not very good. And the moves that Dave Gettleman has made since he's been the general manager of the New York Giants, you can't compare to the short-term moves that Joe Douglas has made to make the New York Jets now, a better football well, hold team. On. I, know they're getting, I know they're getting draft picks, but I mean, every star is no longer there with the Jets organization. Like, that's not an indictment just on the coach and, and Joe Douglas to a degree. Like, he just only, gets a pass. Only star that. Le'Veon that, Bell, only no star, longer there. Only star, Jay Will, uh, or I wouldn't even call him a star. Only player, only player that probably could have stayed with them is Jamal Adams. That's it. Le'Veon Bell wasn't getting any touches. He wasn't utilizing him right. You're paying him all this money, so you might as well allow him to go and move on so you can get that money off the books. Avery Williams, you sent him packing. You sent him to an undefeated team because – Yeah, everybody that left the Jets went to a team that has a chance to win a Super Bowl. Because he wasn't helping you. I mean, it wasn't – you weren't winning games, so why not get some value for him? I hear what you're saying. That's all. There's nothing wrong with rebuilding the team. When was Sam Darnold drafted? 
2018. 2018. Okay, so close to three years ago, right? right? When was Joe Douglas brought in? After that. Okay, after so that. it's not his guy. So I, I understand, and, and I also pose this argument to a degree. Look, a lot of times when you hear GMs talk about things, like this is also political nature as well. Like I wouldn't devalue one of my biggest assets that I can use to get trade in return. I wouldn't devalue him at a post presser. Like I would say all the right things. But at the same time, if we continue to go down this path, if a team like the 49ers came to me with an array of options, an array of assets, and said, in return, we want Sam Darnold, if I'm in a position to get the number one pick in the draft, I might be looking at that differently but in eight weeks from now. different, oh. though, Jay, because he mean? didn't say he's off the table. When you say someone's off the table, that's different than saying he's my future quarterback. Clearly, if somebody comes to you, you just clear, made my point. Clearly, if somebody goes to a team and they say, we're getting ready to give you the kitchen sink, four cars, and the garage, and anything else you want, we'll help you pack it up, you're going to look at that deal. So you're agreeing with me. No, I'm not, but you have to be problematic and realistic here. You're if talking somebody, me in if right somebody now. blows you away for an offer on a player, that player is going to probably, you're going to look at it. Key, that's, that's just what the Dallas Cowboys did it with Jamal Adams, and Jamal Adams got mad at the New York Jets because they listened to the offer. You have to listen if somebody is talking. Doesn't mean you moving. I, well, Key, but you're agreeing with me. I am not agreeing. You're saying that the door is open. If no, somebody I'm comes, not. Say- Jay J- Will. So, wait, wait, wait. Jay Will, I'm, I'm, I'm not confused. agreeing with you. I'm confused. What I am trying so to get you, you to understand, what I'm trying to get you to understand Please is me to understand all it. players are available with the right offer. That is not what Joe Douglas said. He did not say all players are available with the right offer. He said that this young man is our future. He's our quarterback. Now, if somebody comes to him and says, we got three ones for you, if somebody came to the damn Green Bay Packers and said, we got three first rounders for Aaron Rodgers right now for you, they're going to listen. That's doing business. Am I right, Zubin? Are you not going to listen? I I don't know what side you're arguing right now. Because I know we, How can you be confused? Because I'm confused because when we originally said this, like that's what I just said. <laughs> you're saying but, what, I, what I just said, that the door, it doesn't make because sense. Because you're to, trying to make an argument with me about this quarterback having uh, this quarterback being on the market. He's not on the market unless somebody comes to him with a wild offer. Exactly. He's not on the market. Exactly. <laughs> but, that's a, but that's what I'm saying. Well, he's not on the market. They don't want to move from him. You have to wow us with something to get him coming to us for a second. I don't know how we're coming, about coming this right now. to us with a second round pick trying to get Sam Darnold is not going to happen, dog. Okay, Key, it's I not under- going to happen. You got to give if you want Sam, you're going to have to give us the world. Key, I- we're not looking to move Sam. That is basically what he said. In- we're not looking to move Sam. He's our future. In eight weeks, things can change. Things have changed we- in our in our country in a day. So I understand what you're saying. That, yeah, people can come with an offer. You can listen. But all I'm saying is circumstances can be different in eight weeks from now. So, yes. We all know the circumstances can be different eight weeks from now. But we're not talking eight weeks from now. We're talking about what the man said the other day. We're not talking about eight Go weeks ahead, from now. Zubin. We're not talking about Go, eight weeks from now. I'm talking myself in circles right no, now. No, you're not. Okay, you're talking you're me in circles right now. You're confusing yourself. Do you, Zubin, do you understand what I'm saying? I understand what you're both saying. I understand what you're both saying. How about that for a politically correct answer? Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> Keyshawn J. Will Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. Commercial insurance through Progressive protects your business and your dream. Choose from over 30 coverage options at progressivecommercial.com.
Com. Let's bring in Joe Fortenbaugh, ESPN Daily Wager, which you can see tonight, 6 Eastern. Ask Joe on, what he thinks about this. On ESPN2, I will do just that. He is our gambling expert. Joe, how you doing this morning? Not well. Look, I got my own problems. You, you two are over here arguing about the Jets. I had the under in this Niners-Packers game last night. Shanahan's down 24 ladies calling timeout for that garbage touchdown. Please, Keyshawn and Jay will realize other others amongst us have problems in the world today. We're waking up. We're trying to chase this money from last night. <laughs> Got to prioritize those problems. Joe, I want to look, talk about a game moving ahead for Sunday, and that is Dallas and Pittsburgh. You know, this is the second straight week where we've seen a monstrous line. And be honest with you, when the Jags play the Packers next week, it's going to be another monstrous line. So the Chiefs are easily able to cover their game against the Jets last week. But now the Steelers and Cowboys are here at about 13 and a half 14-point spread. Just take our listeners inside. When the number is that big, when it balloons to that level, um, how do you bet it? How do you think about it? Prior to the last few years, numbers like this, you'd be more enticed to take the underdog than you probably would be this season. The reason I bring that up is scoring is just at an astronomical rate right now. Defenders can't do anything. Last night on that final drive, and this isn't sour grapes, but on that final drive where the Niners are coming down the field – Green Bay picks up a 15-yard helmet-to-helmet penalty on the quarterback. Nick Mullins ducked into that. He ducked into the helmet-to-helmet contact. The Packer defender was going for his waist. Guy gets hit for 15. Defenders can't put their hands on receivers or anything these days. So this opens up the opportunity for late covers. It could be a game where Dallas is in there the whole way, maybe just floating around 10, 13, and then a couple big plays late. You end up covering the numbers. So this year, more than ever before, because of the rule changes and everything else, it's more. It's it's. There's a higher degree of probability, at least in my mind, that something like this can get done. We're seeing the same thing with overs happening late in games like last night. Now that being said, if I was to do anything with that game, 14 points, I would take it with the Cowboys. And I know that that sounds insane, but this is the third straight road game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's go through what their last few weeks have been like, right? Two weeks ago, they're at Tennessee in a huge game against the undefeated Titans. They win that game. They turn around to play division rival Baltimore in another massive matchup last week, and they win that game. And now they got Cincinnati on deck, which I know isn't a huge game, but it's still a divisional game. Those carry more value than anything. And wedged in between all of this is a non-conference road date against a just dead dog in the Dallas Cowboys who've looked absolutely pathetic as of late. This is one where the public will be all over the Steelers. You got to wonder if the Steelers are going to get up for this one and have their best possible effort. And remember, as good as the Steelers have been on defense, the offense at times has been a little shaky. If I'm doing anything here, Zubin, I'm taking the 14 points with Dallas. College football, Clemson currently has a five-point five favorite this weekend at Notre Dame. We saw Clemson struggle against BC without Trevor Lawrence last week. How are you playing this one? That's the key line right there. We saw Clemson struggle last week, which is why I want to play Clemson. I'm going to lay the points in this game. So Trevor Lawrence gets ruled out due to COVID. DJ Uyunglele is going to step in. Highly touted young player coming out of California. Uh, And Clemson struggles a little bit, right? They fall down in this game. They're at home against Boston College. They got a scratch. They got a claw. They got to come all the way back, and they find a way to get it done. The public sees that. Everybody sees that. We all suffer from recency bias to some extent. So you watch that happen and you think, ooh, Clemson's not the same without Trevor Lawrence. This is going to be a great spot for Brian Kelly and Notre Dame. And what that does is it brings down the point spread. 
It creates value in Clemson. Remember, as bad as Clemson may have looked at times, that was really valuable experience for A, the young quarterback, and B, the Tigers as a whole. How much adversity do they face playing in the ACC? They're normally rolling through everybody. So you get a nice punch in the face last week. It wakes you up. Similar to that North Carolina game last year where they almost lost early in the season, and then they rattled off, what, eight or nine straight victories by like 30 points. They were crushing everybody. I think that was a big get-up spot right there. They're going to see that. It's going to rally the troops. They're going to take on a Notre Dame team who has been very good defensively, very good in the trenches, but Ian Book's only completing about 61% of his passes this year, and Notre Dame struggles to throw the ball down the field with consistency. I like Clemson here, Keyshawn. Well, I'm starting to, to, to understand this gambling stuff, hanging around Jay Will a little bit and having some cocktails. He's explaining it to me. The line hasn't moved much. <laughs> Uh, is staying around, I don't know, five or, or six all week long in this particular game. Um, is there more money to be bet on Notre Dame or on Clemson? That's a great question. I have a feeling that the public normally would have really wanted to get more involved in Clemson if it was Trevor Lawrence or if Clemson had looked better last week. Notre Dame is a very popular team. They've got a massive fan base, so they're probably going to be taking some money as well. I think this is going to be a little bit more balanced than it would have been with Lawrence or a good Clemson performance last week. That's where I'd stand right now. I, I think the public might get involved a little bit with Notre Dame. This could be one of those square dog situations where you see the public rallying behind an underdog based on what they've seen recently. We would love to take your calls at 888-SAY-ESPN. Anything you want to ask Joe on any game this weekend, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Or if you want to just hit us up, um, on our Twitter feed, KeyJNZ. You want to ask a question that way? That's cool, too. Let's go to Jared in Iowa. You're on ESPN Radio. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? I'm good, man. What's happening? Doing good, brother. Uh, great. I, I got a couple questions. Uh, this weekend, uh, Michigan State at Iowa. Iowa's been very inconsistent. The new quarterback hasn't been very good. Um, uh, they're favored by six and a half. Um, I, I like Michigan State, to tell you the truth. Um, also, the Nebraska Northwestern. I I, I like Nebraska at Northwestern. I don't think Northwestern uh, is all what they're cracked up to be. Excellent questions. So let's start with Iowa, right? 0-2, and they've looked terrible to start the season. Michigan State, what do we remember? Let's go back to recency bias. Huge upset last week over Michigan. They were 21.5-point underdogs. They beat Jim Harbaugh. They win the in-state rivalry game. Everyone's going nuts. Perfect spot to fall flat on your face. I would lay the points with Iowa here. Iowa was sitting around seven. They're a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I mean, just ask yourself that. Iowa's played this poorly this season. They're 0-2. Michigan State is coming off this massive win over Michigan, and Iowa's laying close to a touchdown against Michigan State. Something smells funky there. I'm going to lay it with the Hawkeyes. I don't think Kirk Ferentz is going to allow the Hawkeyes to start 0-3. As it pertains to the other game, I haven't done a lot with Nebraska and Northwestern. I know Nebraska's been dealing with some stuff. They didn't have to play last week. What was it? The Wisconsin situation with COVID. So they've been off. I think Northwestern is better than expected. I think Pat Fitzgerald has them moving in the right direction. Now, they haven't really faced any juggernauts yet, but that's a team I'm leaning to right now. If I was going to be playing that game, I'd probably be playing the Wildcats. I like how the offense has started to wake up. Hey, Joey, the people and I want to know, what is your favorite play of the weekend? Tell me. Give me the dirt. 
It was originally going to be California in the Pac-12. 18 starters coming back. Justin Wilcox has done a great job with that team. But right now, that that game's off because of a COVID situation. So I'll give you a few here. In the NFL, my favorite play is going to be the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to lay the points over Miami. Now, last week, Miami gets this great win over the Rams, right? If you just look at the score, you see 28-17, and you think to yourself, man, great win for Tua. The Rams are a good team. I can't believe 28-17. Nice job for the Dolphins. Go inside that box score, all right? The Rams outgained Miami by 326 total yards. Miami was 3 of 12 on third down. Miami held the ball for 23 minutes. That's some box score magic right there. Jared Goff was giving that game away. That The Rams had just played on Monday night. They had to travel across the country on a short week to play Miami. It was their fourth trip to the East Coast in seven weeks. And as a result of that Miami win... The look-ahead line went from Arizona minus 6 down to Arizona minus 4. Cardinals are off a bye. Cardinals are playing better defense than anyone gave them credit for, and Kyler Murray and that offense have been humming. Now, this isn't to devalue what Miami has done this season because they're taking good, positive steps under Brian Flores, but I'm playing Arizona in that spot. If you want another college play, I'd give you Stanford plus 8 over Oregon. David Shaw went 4-8 and eight at Stanford last week. Everyone's writing him off. David Shaw is not going to go 4-8 and eight two years in a row. He had some comments after last season very quietly about how he was going to get this whole thing turned around. I trust him to do so. He had never lost to Cal, and that happened last year. He had never won fewer than eight games, and that happened last year. And here's Oregon getting ready for life without Justin Herbert. Eight points. This was as high as 10. I'd take Stanford uh, plus the eight. Uh, we're going to take a call. Josh in Iowa wants to ask you about the Ohio State Rutgers game. Josh? Uh, yeah, Ohio State Rutgers. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, Greg Schiano's coming back from Rutgers, and now they're playing Ohio State. I think uh, Rutgers was looking ahead playing Indiana. What do you think about that? All right, this is a 38-point spread right now, 38 points. You have to ask yourself, how much can Ohio State get done in the first half? A lot of times, when you're talking about these big numbers, 38, 40 points, you see it with Clemson, you see it with Alabama, you see it with Ohio State. you got to ask yourself, how? what's the opportunity for the back door, right? You could be up 40, 42 points, you yank everybody, the other team finds a way to score on a drive, then maybe a, a turnover comes courtesy of your third stringers, they put another one in, and all that hard work goes down the toilet in the final five minutes. In these situations, if the weather's decent, I always advise people, look at the first half. Betting Alabama first halves, back when Baylor and Oregon were in their heyday, betting them to cover in the first half. Because you know you're going to get the starters. You know you're going to get the best possible effort because it's still early in the game. What you can't account for is how things can, can swing late because of who's in the game and who's not. So when it comes to covering 38, I don't know if I'd be that excited to do that. But if I'm, if I'm interested in betting Ohio State, I'd probably want to play them in the first half. They come out, they jump all over Rutgers. You know you're going to get a focused effort for the first 30 minutes. Joe, Joe, we saw great players on both sides have to miss Thursday night's game due to COVID-19 positive testing and contract tracing. How has Vegas handled these lines when this thing has happened during the season? A lot of times the number will come right off the board. They'll reassess, get the best information they can, and then give you a new number. You know, the look-ahead line for San Francisco and Green Bay was a pick and that, that closed seven. It moved seven points. Now, that's not just because of COVID. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle both got hurt. Debo Samuel's been hurt. But it's always going to come down to which players and how many. 
quarterback is going to move the point spread more than anything. And it depends on how good you are. But with Aaron Rodgers, the point spread could move eight, maybe as high as 10 points if he's not going to play and his backup's going to be stepping in. You know, conversely, if it's Nick Foles, Mitchell Trubisky, it's the same damn thing every week. So that point spread doesn't need to move a whole lot. So when you talk about one offensive lineman, one linebacker, one safety, one wide receiver, you might not see a move at all. So it comes down to the volume of how many players are going to be out. And for the Niners last night, you take Trent Williams out of the occasion on the offensive line, Brandon Ayuk at wide receiver. You're already missing how many wide receivers and running backs. That got to a point where it had to move significantly because the Niners, between injuries and COVID, were down so many players. Joe, thanks very much. We can get more of Joe tomorrow, game day on ESPN Radio. Joe, thanks very much. Always like to slide one in out the door. Lay the points with Seattle. Look at Josh Allen and Buffalo on offense the first four weeks versus the last four weeks. The ship has gone off the rails if ships actually rode on rails, but they don't. They ride on waterways, so it would be beached. Point being, I messed up the analogy, but I'd lay the points with the Seahawks. See you, boys. Have a great weekend. Josh Allen, 71% the first four weeks, 63% the last four. How Mm. about that? He mm. said Russell Wilson was Mr. Unlimited. Look, Fortinbaugh is Mr. Unlimited. He's got everything. Mr. Unlimited. Field Yates is on the way. The fantasy impact of Devontae Adams and the impending return, fantasy-wise and reality-wise, of Christian McCaffrey. That's next. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Chishon, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. All of our guests, including... Field Yates, join us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. He's an ESPN NFL insider and the host of the Fantasy Focus podcast. Good morning, Field. So right off the jump, Devontae Adams proclaiming himself the best wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, when you look at the fantasy numbers, where does he stack up? Uh, it's not even close, to it. Look at the fantasy numbers. He's averaging over 27 fantasy points per game. He has missed two games this season. He left one at halftime of another. The Packers have already had their bye, and he still has more fantasy points than every other wide receiver in the NFL this season. I heard your guys' discussion at the open of the show and putting Key on the spot for his top five wide receivers, and I don't want to be a fence-sitter here, but the reality is this. You're going to probably poll 100 people, and you might get 20 votes apiece for guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams and also Julio Jones and maybe Tyree Kill, maybe a few votes for D.K. Metcalf with the way that he's playing right now, but there is a case, a very clear one, 
from a fantasy perspective that right now Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in fantasy football. Too bad I played football for real, not for fantasy. But anyway, um, <laughs> right, Phil? I listen to you, Phil. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't listen to Phil, but, you know, it's, we're talking two hey. things, right? We're talking fantasy and we're actually talking football. It's two different things. That's all I'm saying. Of course. Right? Of course. So when you look at last night, do you see that the 49ers can overcome the injuries and get things turned around to some degree and make a – a late wild card type playoff run, and considering that there may be eight teams instead of seven in the conference, depending on the way the league looks at it down the line. Yeah, unfortunately, I feel like last night was the night that the 49ers season became toast. And, uh, and I, I don't really blame them. And I think we all kind of agree that last night was sort of like watching either a fourth preseason roster for the 49ers or maybe even the junior varsity version of the 49ers. Uh, they were frisky at moments last night, but there's a reason why Nick Mullins is an undrafted quarterback. There's a reason why he's been the second string and also the third string quarterback for the 49ers this year. Their best player on defense is out for the season. Their best player on offense, George Kittle, is out for, according to his coach, eight weeks, even if Kittle believes he'll be back uh, in two weeks. And if you just look at their schedule, they've got a couple of cupcakes that they'll probably end up taking business, uh, taking care of business in, like the Cowboys and the Washington football team. But they play in the best division in the NFL. That fact alone makes it a very, very difficult scenario for me to imagine them finding a way into the pre, uh, the postseason this year, even with the possibility of eight teams. And the 49ers injury news is no good news for anybody, but at least opens up more hope for other teams in the conference, whether it's the semi-sliding Bears, whether it's maybe even the Lions, if you look at their schedule and the way that things could break in their favor. Uh, and also, you know, we could very legitimately have three teams from the NFC West in the postseason this year. Phil, the Raiders have gotten their hands caught in the cookie jar again. What has been the reaction across the league after the Raiders have been fined levy heavy against them for being repeat offenders on the COVID situations and the protocols? Yeah, first thought last night from talking to people right after the news came down, which of course was during the Thursday night football game. So some eyes are fixated on the 49ers and the Packers, but with the game getting out of hand, there was plenty of time to gauge some on the Raiders. And I think what's becoming clearer and clearer is that, you know, the NFL's tolerance for anything related to COVID-19 protocol breach is growing smaller and smaller. Now the Raiders have had multiple offenses that the NFL was building its case on to find them another half million dollars and a bunch of money out of John Gruden's pocket. And of course a six round pick in 2021, but I do think there are some that felt like it's relatively heavy-handed, given that another team, the Titans, had what looked like guys, you know, a, a it looked like in some ways, um, you know, some, some not holding up their end of the bargain on protocols, and they got fined, not an inconsequential amount, but still a $350,000 fine as opposed to a $500,000 fine for the organization, plus the coach, plus the draft pick. I think some people are looking at it and saying, I'm not quite sure I understand exactly how these two conclusions we're drawn. That being said, as I mentioned earlier, we are seeing the tolerance for COVID-19 protocol breach dropping, dropping dramatically in the same way that you're going to see the NFL work like crazy to make sure that no games are being moved at all. The further we get along into the season, the lower the tolerance is, and also the smaller the margin for error that we have. There are not a lot of teams that have not yet had their bye weeks, so we can't afford to have people breaking protocol that's going to impact the chances of playing a game as scheduled, because even if it seems in some ways inevitable, the NFL does not want to play a week 18 for this regular season. 
field, Brian Flores said the Dolphins are not auditioning Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, how important are the nine games for him moving forward? I think they're incredibly important, Jay, for not just uh, whether or not they're auditioning him, but also, you know, at some point, every quarterback's going to have to go through some level of growing pains. And I think the Dolphins, with another useful and I would say active offseason, this upcoming offseason, could be in good shape to maybe win the AFC East as soon as next year. Heck, I mean, they could win it this year with the way that things are stacking up at the moment. I think that so when they right now are getting this nine-game evaluation of Tua, it's not just an evaluation. It's also a chance for Tua to work out, uh, work through some of the things that are going to be hard for any quarterback to overcome. And, um, you know, I would just say this, is that I understand where Brian Flores uh, is coming from and saying that it's not an evaluation. I think what he was trying to say is that, like, we are not evaluating Tua for the opportunity to potentially move off of Tua or draft another quarterback. But I do think it is an important audition uh, in the sense that it'll give you an idea of what might be some priorities on offense to adjust, uh, address this offseason. Do you need to use a first-round pick on a wide receiver? You've got two first-round picks. Do you need to fortify your offensive line even more? Do you need to add one more tight end alongside Mike Gesicki and Adam Shaheen? Things like that are certainly going to be useful to find out over the next nine games. We'll see. Fascinating storyline to discuss. Field joined us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Field, thank you very much. All Thanks, right, Phil. Phil. All right, guys, take care. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Everybody knows it's always been a long-term play for the Miami Dolphins. They're off to a better-than-expected start. They've got the Tua era underway, but their best days are clearly ahead of them, and they've said it openly. We are building for the long term. So let's set up this discussion. If you were with us right before the commercial break, Jade Field had a discussion about the auditioning of mm. Tua Tunga Low, which may have made your kind of, whoa, you know. This right, song, did I hear well, that right? Because this song puts Key and I in Miami. The, the, you asked the me if I was down. all right. Yeah, he's flowing right, right now. Man, what you mean? He's good right now. He in Miami with the 85-degree weather, if, the top down. If Allen played the right songs, this would just be a music station. It won't even be a sports talk station because we'll be sitting here Jamming. You know, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's not with it. Because <laughs> it's certain music, though. <laughs> Zubin wants to ask the point. Like, it's get certain back music to that it's certain music that can come on that you know your cash flow and your conversation starts to flow. You roll up on them and you you know what's up. I'll let me. Cash starts to flow. <laughs> 
I need to go to the ATM and grab twenty dollars. Is that how? You, no, you it's, just, it's, so, it's just some. No. It's just certain no. music though that'll put you in a spot. That's all. The fellas have a few more zeros and commas than I do. I think that's for sure. Zubin, I love you so much. Zubin, just let it breathe. You hear it? Go ahead, you Alan. Hear it? Let it breathe, Alan. Oh no, yeah. So there imagine, you know. Zubin. Imagine you're set at the, the you're, you're, oh, you get the you, yeah you're, you're, it. you're at the bar, Zubin. You're at the bar. Woo! Okay, you see a couple people come walk in. You see somebody you want to say hello to. How would you say hello, Zubin? How would you say hello? Hello. Now, the music, you wouldn't. You just go up and say hello? Straight up. You? I'm Straight not playing up. games, Key. I'm not playing games. <laughs> <laughs> also, playing this, the critics can't kill us for our bad sports takes since we're not giving any at the moment. No, but it's all good. We ain't got to always, it, it, it doesn't have to be four hours of sports. One of the things that we're going to always do on this show, and you know it, Zubin, we're going to have fun. We're going to be pop culture. We're going to talk when we need to talk about real issues. And real issues right now are the Miami Dolphins and what they're going to do with their quarterback. Right, Zubin? Correct. Correct. <laughs> Although a couple days here. ago in Florida, there was probably something more important happening than Tua Tungavalo. All right, here we go. Adam Schefter, the NFL's best insider, reported earlier this week that part of the decision to name Tua the starter was the fact that the Dolphins own the Texans first and second round picks in next year's draft. That first round pick, fellas, is the fifth overall pick. So they got Houston's first and second pick next year, and the most important thing is number five. League sources telling ESPN. That's what Schefter is reporting. Okay, so we know that. The Dolphins need to know what they have in Tua, Schefter, his sources are telling him, as they enter that draft, because if you got those two picks, and you got one in the top five, and you got the opportunity to draft a stud quarterback, even though you already have a stud quarterback, maybe, just maybe, these last nine games for Miami are auditioning Tua to see if indeed this is the guy we really need. Remember, Tua was taken with the fifth overall pick by the Dolphins, and they'll have the fifth overall pick next year. Key is almost like apoplectic. He can't talk. Before I get your response, here's head coach Brian Flores on if this could really, actually, feasibly, logically be a make-or-break moment for a guy that's played two games. I mean, now that you mentioned, you know, the quarterback, well, there's you know, a couple of things out there. Let's call it a source close to Dolphins thinking, saying that, you know, we, we're, we're auditioning, you know, Tua. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you about my thinking. Uh, we, we brought Tua here because we believe in him, same as all the other you know, draft picks. We, de- we believe in developing players, and I think you guys have heard me talk about him, the improvement of players on a daily basis. That would be the opposite of giving somebody a 10-game audition. So I guess that's that's my thinking on that, just so everybody's clear. I, I just want to quit this job. If I got to get myself filthy dirty by following stuff that sources are saying about an audition for a dude you just took with the fifth-round pick, I mean with the fifth pick overall in a damn draft, and you're going to move on from him after nine games because you got the fifth pick in the draft a year later, that's stupid. That doesn't – and I and I can understand why Brian Flores is just like whatever, man. He's not even really answering it because it's a waste of conversation. To be honest with you, it really truly is. They, what? Okay. They moved on from Josh Rosen. That's the first thing that's going to come up. They moved on from Josh Rosen because they brought a head coach in that wanted to run his system with a quarterback that he loved forever. That he tried to get to go to Texas Tech with him. That he needed to run what he wanted to run. That's it. He moved on from him for that reason. But it's just crazy that they're they're auditioning Hmm. Tua. No, they're looking at 
mature with everything that's around him? And can we upgrade in certain positions? Can we get a receiver? Do we need another offensive lineman? Can we? What about the running back spot? They, that's what they're looking at. What does it look if we had this person in this spot with Tua, this person in this spot with Tua? Not Tua didn't do anything against the Rams because they spotted him a 28-point lead, but if you go back and you watch the film and you watch the All-22 or you paid attention to the game, you could tell that Tua did some good things in the game. He delivered the football in sync and in rhythm. He understood when they were trying to blitz him, he hit the touchdown across the middle. He did some of the same things he did at Alabama. So I don't, I don't even know why that conversation would even come up. I really don't. We don't need to have that conversation, kid. Like we don't. Like I, I'm not on. I'm not on board with saying, "Hey, we're going to look at options for our quarterback." You know, when after he's coming off injury, he just played a pretty good game. Now we have these nine more games. Like, just take a second and let it breathe, if, just for a minute. If you told me that it was. Carson Wentz, and he was playing the way he's playing. It was the Philadelphia Eagles that owned the fifth pick, and they were looking at a, potentially a quarterback in that spot. Then I go, okay, I could. That makes sense. Maybe another year of Carson, and they move to the other guy. That would make some sense. Or if you told me, well, you know, Baker Mayfield's not really doing well. Cleveland's looking at some quarterback. Then I would go, okay, that may make some sense, but not this dude. And I would tell you, think about the amount of due diligence they had to do on Tua before even drafting him. It would all be a waste if they traded him away. Key's top wideouts are next. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.